Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Victoria Benyon, and the founder of the Victoria Benyon Podcast Booking Agency. And you're listening to The Best Guest, the podcast for business owners, creatives, and entrepreneurs who want to harness the power of podcasts to grow their platforms and increase their visibility. We're here to support you on your journey, bringing you actionable tips with each episode. Now, let's begin. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Teresa Heath-Waring to the podcast. Teresa is a leading marketing influencer in the UK, ranked number five in Market Live's top 30 marketers that inspire in 2021. She is the founder of Marketing That Converts the Academy, where she works with businesses, entrepreneurs, and marketers to help them enhance their digital marketing and social media efforts. Hello, Teresa, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to be here. Teresa, you have a really inspiring story. I wondered if you could share a little bit about what you do and how you came to start your own business. Uh, That's very kind of you to say it's inspiring. It didn't feel like that as I was doing it. (laughs) Um, So I basically uh, have a marketing background. I did a degree in it. I spent about 10 years working for all sorts of different businesses. So I headed up corporate marketing for Land Rover. I did teeny tiny small marketing where I was the only team member and did everything. And basically, I liked being employed. I was a good employee. I liked pleasing people. I liked being patted on the head and told I've done a good job. So I was working as head of marketing for an agency and life changed a bit. So uh, my ex-husband and I separated and I was left uh, on my own with my daughter, who was about three, four at the time. And I think I just kind of thought, you know what, I want to do what makes me happy. Mm -hmm. So I decided that although I loved the job I was working in, it was time to move on. And I handed my notice in and I gave them eight weeks notice thinking I'm really good at marketing. I've done this for a long time. I'll find another job easy. Never once thought I'll set up my own job and started applying and forgot that I was a fairly expensive resource for where I lived in England that, you know, it wasn't full of big businesses. And about three weeks into my eight weeks notice, I started to think, what am I actually going to do if I can't get another job? And I started to toy with the idea of, well, what if I can earn what I've just made this company by selling their services, but earn it for myself? And it's like that thought crossed my mind. And then my boss kind of got this inkling and asked me to leave. So I had like a week of income from that job. So a full month, sorry, but it was like a week extra. Um, I had no savings, literally not a penny. I had no other income coming into the house because I didn't have a partner or husband at the time because uh, he had gone. My parents aren't wealthy, so they definitely couldn't have helped me out. And basically from day one, I had to earn about £1,500 a month, like from the beginning, because otherwise my daughter and I literally wouldn't have had a roof over our heads. So people kind of ask me now how I did it and I'm not entirely sure I think the fact that I had to earn the money and I didn't have a choice was probably a big driver um but basically I just went out and I hustled and hustled and hustled and did all the networking and did all the old school stuff and managed to get some clients and started to build my agency and I really enjoyed that that was great but I started to get to the point where 
you know how obviously I've never thought about having my own business so you know how people are like you know have your own business you can do what you want you're your boss you're in charge no I went from having one boss to like 16 bosses and suddenly it was like I can't manage with all this these people and all wanting demands on my time and I was working more hours than ever and I'd started to learn online because there was lots of people in my industry that had did social media and I wasn't sure what made them an expert and I didn't want to be calling myself an expert without actually knowing I knew what I was talking about so I started to do all this online learning and I started to look at this online space thinking this looks pretty good I quite like the idea of this and it, you know I have a saying in my house that do the math like every time I see an online thing it's like how many members they got how much they charge do the math it's like that's all I used to do and I decided that I wanted to shift over to online. So about two, two-ish years into my business, I made the very scary decision to sack most of my clients and basically start again and build the online side of my business, which luckily uh, five years later is what I still do today, which obviously some I worked out. Um, so it must have been like a really big shift going from being employed, as you said, to then running your own agency, because you've suddenly got to wear so many hats, haven't you? And then you were juggling that with being a mother. So what was what was kind of the biggest challenge? So I think I went into it with the mindset of I do this for a job. How hard can this be? I literally thought, how hard can this be? Because I was I, I did marketing. I was good at it. I you know, that was what I did. But I didn't have the flipping faintest idea that actually you're not just doing your job. You're not doing the employed bit of your job. You're doing the the CEO bit of your job. And I didn't have a clue. And I think what I discovered was when you're employed and you're paid to go somewhere and do something, like you can have days off or you cannot feel great and be a bit unproductive one day because you're still Mm -hmm. getting paid regardless. And suddenly I realized that actually running your own business, there was a so much more to it and B that actually my mindset was so very important that if I hadn't have like put some time and effort into that, I don't think I would be where I am because like when we used to pitch for work, when I worked at the other agency, if we didn't get it, we didn't get it. I'd be gutted, but that's as much as I I think, you know, I would worry about it when you pitch for work and it's your business and you don't get it, Mm. it's like, oh, holy moly, what am I going to do now? So I think for me, not only the the pressure of having to earn that money, but the the pressure of, okay, now I've got to have all these other skills that I've never had. And like, if I didn't have to do that and I could just do what I do, it'd be easy. But Mm -hmm. that whole other side is like, oh, it was beyond anything I'd ever done. Well, and what did you do to work on your mindset? So like I joke that before I had a business, there was no woo-woo-ness about me at all. I was, you know, I think I'd done some mindset, like practical mindset stuff years and years before, but I started to realize that it was so incredibly important. So basically I inhaled books and podcasts and blogs and I got myself a coach, which my coach is amazing and she's really, really good and really helped me to figure things out. And even like the smallest things, I remember going on a call once with her and I'd lost a fairly big client and not for any particular reason, we hadn't done anything wrong, it just come to the end of a project, but it was quite a big chunk of money. 
And I remember getting on the call being like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? You know, I've lost this money. This is bad. What am I going to do with the team? And the stress was like eating me up. And then she said to me, what if you're exactly where you're meant to be? What if you just can't see it? And actually this is exactly where you're meant to be right now. And I remember thinking like, I don't think it is, but, <laughs> but, but then I was like, okay, well, even whether I believe that or not, thinking that just feels a whole lot nicer than stressing out because either way nothing changes like whether I stress and get angry and upset and worry it's still the same Mm -hmm. position as to whether I go well maybe if this is where this is where I'm meant to be and oddly enough that was the start of the journey of going online like and Mm -hmm. actually how it did work out how it was meant to of is that that freed me up to have time to start to build the online stuff which I needed that time because I wasn't getting any. So I did a lot of that. Like I said, I got a coach um, in later years because my mum passed away last year and uh, Mm -hmm. I then got a therapist. And and again, it's like years ago, it would have been something that you just don't talk about. And now it feels very indulgent. It feels very nice to have your coach and a therapist and people that you can use all the tools they give you in terms of like all these brilliant things that you can do. And that's all it is. And what's kind of reassuring is that, it never stops. It's not like, oh, I learned that tool. Cool. I am brilliant for the rest of my life. Thanks. Very <laughs> it's not the case at all. The next thing will come and bite you on the backside. The next thing will happen. But once you've got those tools, you move yourself out of it far quicker than, than you would necessarily. And things like, I remember once I had been given the opportunity to, I was actually being paid to speak to for Google in the European okay. Parliament in Brussels. And it sounded amazing, right? And I was really excited. And Mary and I get on a call, my coach, and she's talking to me and I'm like, she's like, don't sound very excited about this. And I'm like, yeah, no. And she's like, what, what's wrong? And I was like, well, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. And I said a couple of things. I was like, they're not honoring my time. And this wasn't Google directly, FYI. This was a company who worked to put people in for Google. And I was like, you know, they're not honoring my time. And actually, you know, they're putting me in an Airbnb Mm. and I'm going over to a country that I've never been in. And I'm, I don't want to use the female card, but I am female. I'm in a bit of a baby as well. Like I didn't fancy that. And anyway, she was like, do you want to do it? And, and she, and then she sort of questioned me is like, why would I want to do it? And I'm like, cause it'd be ace, wouldn't it? To say I've spoken there. And she's like, is it going to do anything for your business? Not really. Is it going to bring you loads of money? And not really. I think it was covering like the expenses. Um, and she's like, why do it then? And I was like, because they, they need me to do it. And she's like, no, don't do it. And with that power, I was able to then go, do you know what? No, I don't want to do that. And I said, no. And they weren't very happy and that's fine, but it wasn't right. And my gut yeah. was telling me it was wrong. And I need to, I needed at that point mm-hmm. to learn to trust my gut. So I think all these tools, they never stop being useful. They never stop like, you know, coming into play or a new one comes into play or a new one. But for me, it's, it's just huge. The mindset side is massive. You worked really hard, actually, to put yourself out there, didn't you? When you were starting a business, speaking at events and increasing your visibility. Was that challenging to start with? I like speaking. I was always told as a child I talk too much, which is kind of helpful (laughs) in my job now. Um, I think the reason it was comfortable is because I started small. I think Mm -hmm. in this business life that we have, we look at people where they are. So when we discover them, which normally means they're quite big, we look at them and think, well, I want that. I want that. You know, they might look at me speaking on some awesome stage in some awesome country, but it didn't start like that. I literally remember doing a talk to three people in a um, 
play barn because it was a mum's networking thing like are you for real like and I remember coming home my husband go don't ever do that again and I did I did it two more times in fact the point is in the early days you do all that stuff you do the local stuff you speak to five people you do a inside someone's business thing and I did all of that so actually I built slowly up to it but I remember my first tour in the states I was speaking in Minneapolis and Pat Flynn was going on right before me this was a fairly big event and I phoned my assistant in the morning I was on zoom and I had a zoom call with my husband and both of them spoke to each other separately away from me and both of them said she's going to lose it she's not going to do it (laughs) I was nearly sick I was I've never been so scared in my life ever the event was huge it was one of the biggest events I had done to date like I said the lineup was big the stage was flipping massive. And I honestly thought, I said to my, you have like, depending on the events, but some events you have like a concierge person who looks after you. And I knew the guy that was looking after me because I'd met him before. And I said to him, I think I'm going to pee my pants on stage. (laughs) What? I said, what if I pee my pants on stage? I was so nervous. And he was like, well, I guess that's a first. No one's ever done it before. (laughs) Okay. But honestly, and, and it's not that I don't get scared. And what's really funny is like, I've spoke online now for the whole of lockdown. I have my first in-person speaking again in about three weeks time. And I'm very much looking forward to it. And I do get really excited and I love it, but I will be nervous. And I think I'll be more nervous than I would have been because I've not stood on the stage for a while. I can't wait. Is that a Comic-Con? Yes. I'll yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited it's been a long time coming that that event it has hasn't it um so Pat Flynn was that when you met him when you were on stage with him because he's been on your podcast too hasn't he yeah so I met him I think I met him once before I know was that the first time I met know it was the first time I met him actually I think that's mm-hmm. the first time I met him when we spoke on the same stage and he was really nice and we shared a green room and that was nice although obviously it was Pat Flynn and I was like barely starting um and then I had been to a couple of events really early on in my journey I decided that I would invest in going to events and events in the states so I'd mm-hmm. been to like traffic and conversion social media marketing world uh, obviously the one that I spoke at I'd been there the year before so I made sure that even though it was a lot of money I knew the importance of getting in front of people and physically mm-hmm. meeting people so I'd already met Pat once and then I went to see traffic and conversion and social media marketing world back to back and Pat was at both and he always hosts like some kind of meetup thing so I went to the meetup so he by this point he well and truly knew who I was and you know that was nice yeah and I watched him do a talk um on the one of the events and certain so, it was a QA and a and someone said to him how do you get good guests on your podcast and by this point mm-hmm. I had, and I started my podcast or I was starting my podcast. Um, and John Lee Dumas was also at that event and he answered the same question. And one of them had said to me, get or said to the audience, get really good at your episodes first. Like don't interview people like straight off the bat, get really good. So I'd already decided that that's what I was going to do. I was going to wait. And then Pat said, you know, get to know people, take them for a coffee, you know, meet with them and and speak to them and be human type thing rather than just Mm -hmm. going can you come on my podcast so I got home and I thought so I have to take Pat's advice I want Pat 
to be on the podcast. And I thought I need to play the long game here. So I messaged him on Instagram and I did a video message. It's mm-hmm. really hard to say no to a face. And uh, yeah. I was like, hi, Pat, you know, uh, great to see you, whatever, whatever. During that event, you said one of the ways to sort of get podcast guests on your thing is to build a relationship, take them for a coffee. That's easier said than done when I live five and a half thousand miles away. So I'd like to take you for a coffee and I'm going to fly over to take you for a coffee. Will you meet wow. Well, how can he say no to that? Like someone's willing to yeah. five and a half thousand miles. <laughs> and he was like, immediately came back. Yes, absolutely. Booked me in straight away. Wow. And so then I contacted Amy and I'd met Amy a couple of times by that point. And also I shared Amy's coach by that point, um, which I purposefully did. I, I Amy mentioned who she had a coach her on one of her podcasts. I met Mary and loved her and scared myself to death paying how much it was and and yeah basically then had Mary as my coach who's Mary's a very dear friend now and it was a brilliant you know well worth me doing and uh, not just because I got to be in that world but I have an amazing friend and anyway so I asked the same with Amy and Amy for a long time was like oh yeah I'll try and fit it in try and fit it in try and fit it in and it wasn't until literally while I was there that she said yes and then like moved the day so again we were like we were in San Diego for a couple of days and then we went up to LA um, and we had to drive back down and it's like a five six hour drive because of the traffic the distance not so much but the traffic anyway we did that so and they both said they'd got 30 minutes and I ended up spending well over an hour Pat went and took me for a coffee went to a studio and I thought to myself I'm not going to ask them to come on the podcast Mm -hmm. I'm going to build that relationship go home play the slow game and then ask them and I didn't need to ask either of them both of them during the meeting said I talked about the podcast and I they said have you interviewed anybody yet and I said no and they said why not I said I'm scared of uh, of asking anybody (laughs) And, uh, and they said, oh, if I, and both of them almost verbatim, and they were obviously separate meetings. Um, if I'm on your list, I'll come on. And they wow, did. Wow, that's they so amazing. Guest one yeah. was Pat, guest two was Amy, which is amazing. That really paid off. And you know what? Like I tell people that story and they're like, you literally flew to the States yeah. just to take them for coffee. Yeah, I did, yeah. It you did go with really. your family was it was it like a solo trip my husband, and husband I go? went so it was a bit of both really so it was a bit work and a bit personal so did he think you were nuts or was he like no. yeah this is a good plan or totally and do you know what he said to me so obviously we've been on lockdown and a lot of my audience yeah. is built because I'm seen in the nice big places doing cool things and mm-hmm. hanging out with cool people and obviously during lockdown I've gone nowhere and I've done <laughs> a huge amount of online stuff but that doesn't yeah and I was talking to my husband about a launch I did not that long ago and it didn't go as well as I wanted it to go and he's like why do you think that is and I said I just don't I think I need to build my audience again and obviously my main way is through speaking on stages so you need to get back out there again like gives me advice like is Richard Branson the guy doesn't have his own business FYI um but he um and then he said to me you need to get to Nashville like because in Nashville is Mary my lovely friend and she's part of the Michael Hyatt family she is Michael's daughter Um, and then Megan is also my friend who runs Michael Hyatt and company and then Amy now lives in Nashville and then there's another friend who has a big membership who lives in Nashville and it's like right you know if I go out to Nashville then we'll all go out for dinner and hang out and you know it'll be great and Mm -hmm. Paul's like you need to get back out there you need to you know because there is something about people seeing you with those people and it's not you know during the whole of lockdown I've not had a single conversation with them because I've spoken to them the whole time (laughs) but I think being making that effort 
yes is is more than I could ever like and it's funny because we're in an online world and I do online business so you'd think of all people I'd be like yeah just do it online but no there's something about doing that I think my relationship with Mary and my friendship with Mary and Paul's friendship with her and, and her partner Bentley that has been cemented because we went and stayed with her and stayed in her house and hung out for a week and it was just ace so I think there's a lot to say about doing that and getting in front of people and and speaking to people so Atomicon come up and speak to me and have a conversation with me and and I think often when you see people who are speakers at events you don't want to talk to them I could love people speaking to me if I'm wandering around on my own, I'm not having a good time. You know what I mean? Like I want to talk to people. I naturally like talking to people. So yeah, do it. You know, for me, that in-person thing is huge. Okay. Well, when we start working with a client and booking them on podcasts, one of the first things we talk about is um, what their call to action is going to be. So when the podcast host says, where can we learn the lessons learn more about you? And um, so obviously it depends on their goals, but one of the main things they often want to build their email list and they want people to, subscribe and then to do that you need to kind of entice people to sign up to your list to part with your email address and you need a great lead magnet which is I know your area of expertise so I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what makes a good lead magnet yeah absolutely and for me like no matter where you are you want to be getting people on your list so whether you're on social media whether you're in podcasts whether you're on stage getting people on your list is is a great thing to do The key thing is, and I think specifically with podcasting, it's about picking something that complements what you're talking about. That's a good start. So if you're going onto a podcast to talk about list building and you have a list building checklist or download, then that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But also understanding who your customers are. No one wants to download something that is of no interest to them or does not appear to be any help to them. So make sure it's really good. Like, give me something. If I'm your ideal customer and I have a problem, what is that problem that that I've got and how can you help me with that problem? So that's the first thing. Make sure that it's applicable to them. And like I said, if you're going to be speaking about something, whether it be on a podcast or a stage, and obviously it needs to be applicable to that subject. The next thing is you need it to be simple and obvious. So don't have some like highfalutin title or something really kind of like expertise in your area because you're not trying to impress people how smart you are you're trying to attract them to get on your list and they don't know anywhere near as much as you know and therefore basic and simple is best also if they don't know you or they've only just got to know you the chances of them wanting to invest time and effort into a big lead magnet like a five-part video series or a mini course Mm -hmm. or a 20-page ebook is not going to happen so keep it simple and small and quick wins people always want the quick win they everyone thinks there's a magic wand somewhere that we can wave and something amazing will happen and that is not the case never is but they want to see that that's the case so Mm -hmm. if there's something that like even if it's so simple and so small which you're sat there thinking well everyone knows that they really don't so give them those quick wins, tell them those two, three, five things that they can do that will help them achieve or get closer to where they want to go to whatever that transformation there is. Excellent. Thank you. Um, So I've heard before people sometimes are concerned about how many times they email their list. Is there an ideal number of times a week or a month? So I think this comes down to your mindset in terms Mm -hmm. of 
worrying about bothering people. So first mm-hmm. off, there's an unsubscribe button. And at any point they can hit that button. And if they do, they don't want to hear from you. And that's absolutely fine. So yeah. you never fear an unsubscribe. Also, your, your audience are very good at accepting if they know what's coming. So mm-hmm. if you tell me you're going to email me every other week and then suddenly you email me three times a week, I'm going to be a bit like, hang on a minute. But if you right. tell me I email you three times a week, which is what I do, I email on a Monday, Wednesday and Friday, then I have a decision as to whether I like that or not. Yeah. I think the other thing is, and this is the example I always give, right? So most people feel comfortable with once a month. That's the thing. I'll do it once a month. <laughs> and I yes. say to them, okay, so what if I told you only to post on social media once a month? That's 12 posts in an entire year. That is farcical. That's ridiculous that you would do that. You know, you would get nothing from posting 12 times in an entire year. So I want you to view emails the same. Emails are not what they used to be. When I started in marketing all those many, many years ago, um, obviously I started straight out of, uh, you know, junior school. Um, Obviously, um, I was a very bright child. Um, but like when I started, it, emails were different. Emails were like on your computer and possibly mm-hmm. only your work thing or something you went into once a week or once every few weeks. Emails yeah. now are on my phone. Like they come in, I read them, I move them or I delete them. They are more of a, I want people to see emails as content rather than like mm-hmm. a way of potentially bothering your audience. So as long as it's not about how often you're doing it, although please don't do it once a month because that's just not enough. Um, it's about what you're emailing them. So if you're emailing them selling, then once a week is going to be way too much because I am just going to be like, see you later. Yeah. I'm not putting up with these emails because all you're doing is selling to me. If you're adding value to me, I don't mind you emailing me every day, every other day, every three days. If there's a reason for me wanting to have that email, so it's it's more about seeing it as content, not being concerned you're bothering them. They didn't sign up for no reason. They signed up because they wanted to hear from you. And the other thing that's really funny is I have a course that's called Build My List and I teach people to basically start from zero, build the whole lead magnet, do the funnel, do the tech. We include the tech as well, which is ACE, and then actually get it out there and get people on their list. And what often will happen, I'll be like, okay, part of the course is what are you going to email them? And they'll Mm -hmm. go, but I've only got 10 people on my list. And I'm like, yeah, but those 10 people don't know they're the only 10 people on your list. All they know is they signed up. So you need to email them. So don't think you're bothering them. Don't do it once every month because it's just not enough and add value. Give the, think about what emails you get that you enjoy opening because Mm -hmm. you know you're going to get something from it. Like whether it's like a tiny bit, a tip, a joke or whatever. And then think about what do your customers want to hear from you and put that in your emails. Thank you. Now, not all podcasts are now audio. A lot of them use video. And um, I always think you have such a great setup. So could you share your tips on how to show up on video, kind of looking good and... (laughs) A lot of makeup. Um... (laughs) So um, weirdly, I don't show the videos. I do all my recorded videos, but I don't put them on YouTube. The idea is that one day we will. um, Mm -hmm. And that's why we did the videos. And we'll do it when I've got someone who can repurpose that for me and I don't need to do it. So it's on the list Mm -hmm. for the team at some point. So 
my setup though it was funny because I um I always had quite a nice background because I was always on screen before lockdown I have a nice space that I use and um which has improved over the years and I went on a zoom call and it was a Oh, what do they call it? like a panel I was speaking at an event and we were doing a panel and um I got on and there was this guy on the panel and I was like what the hell his setup was unbelievable <laughs> I got myself getting like real jealousy about his setup and like I don't want like I'm really competitive I want the best setup like what's going on here so anyway we um I got in touch with him he's such a nice guy uh, Adrian Salisbury his name is and he basically has this course that teaches you how to do this setup and then oh. I paid for some extra coaching so he like literally I'm on screen and he's checking my tech or whatever but basically like I've got all the gear and I spent oh. I reckon uh, it's about a grand and a half, if not a bit more that I spent, which in the scheme of things is not an obscene amount of money. Um, but I've got a proper like Panasonic Lumix that is my camera. It's hooked okay. up to my computer. So it sees it as a webcam. I've got all the lights. I've got two different microphones, like one that I use for podcasting and one that I use when I'm on screen. I've got all that set up. And then for me, like the background is so important. Have you ever been on a Zoom or watched a YouTube video? I have when I've looked and there's dirty washing in the background. And I'm oh. like, why would you do that? And then all oh I'm doing gosh. is looking at their house. <laughs> and literally any YouTube video, yeah. if they don't have a right setup, I'm literally like, oh, why? that's a funny kitchen they've got there. So for me, yeah. simple and, and mine's very white and bright and um, yeah. plants. I love a plant. So I've got some yeah. plants and things as well. Um, but yeah, just keeping that really simple. And then oddly, obviously I wear, not oddly, but I wear a lot of makeup but, and on screen, I need it even heavier mm-hmm. than I would wear it like in person because on screen it just doesn't come up and I have to touch mm-hmm. it up like today I've done so many podcast interviews um and like yeah. I have to keep touching it up type of day because it'll start to wear off but yes yeah. it's important for me this is my yes this is my shop front I am my shop front so you know Absolutely. it's important that this looks good yeah, I once did an interview and I didn't have a background on and um, I had a bottle of gin really far back in the room and um, it was Pete from Atomic and he looks and he went, what flavour gin is that? <laughs> and I went, oh my gosh, I didn't realise you could see it. You know, I thought yeah. it was so far back. So always, I tend to put a background on because I don't have a very great background behind. And, and the backgrounds are much better than they used to be, aren't they? They're really yeah. good. And the other thing about my camera, although I've had to move I moved over slightly because I'm using this mic for podcast is that it has the depth of field so I'm in focus okay. and everything behind me is blurred yes and not blurred like you know when you're on a zoom and they blur the background blur the background yeah uh, no not like that as in no. slightly out of focus which yes. means that obviously I'm sharp and that's not so mm. yeah I think that's nice as well oh yeah it does look really good Thank you. okay now I know you love your gin um, as we've talked about gin so I'm just curious do you have a favorite flavor do you like it straight I am uh, known by my husband when I ask for a gin in a bar if they don't have no if they have a gin list actually and they're good mm-hmm. at gins I ask for gins that will punch me in the face <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I want to punch you in the face I like straight up navy strength strong gin I don't like flavors so there's only one flavored gin that I'll drink and it's chase pink grapefruit and it's really lovely but it's not sweet I don't have a sweet tooth so flavored gins for me are normally way too sweet they're not my thing okay um but chase generally their gins are excellent they do an elegance gin 
or elegant gin I can't remember whether it's one or the other um mm-hmm. theirs is really nice but like I I often joke or talk about like um when I'm trying to when I'm in sales mode or I'm talking about the academy and the cost of it and I will say because it's the truth like from what the academy and the cost is going to change so actually this might not ring true anymore but I used to say like what I would pay to go in the academy is what I would pay on a bottle of gin that will probably just last me the weekend (laughs) when you imagine the investment in something and you're like yeah I really want to pay that it's like well I much to pay on a bottle of gin or a few bottles of wine Mm -hmm. or you know and literally it'll just last the weekend but we have like I've got a friend who has like a gin store she has hundreds of gins and they're like you should do that and I'm like I can't because we buy a lot of gin and we drink a lot of gin (laughs) so as much in the best will in the world that I want this store of all these gins we just drink them so yeah but we do like Amazon do amazing deals and like I do support some local shops that do gins as well but they do they will have like deal of the day and I'll buy like six at once it's ridiculous (laughs) so bad but yeah I do love gin oh well thank you so much you've been brilliant I'll link up to everything in the show notes but if people want to learn more about you where should they go you can basically just search Teresa Heathwearing and type it in anywhere and you'll find me. Um, but I am most often on Instagram. That's my favorite. Uh, and obviously you can go to TeresaHeathwearing.com and find everything there. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Guest Podcast today. I'll talk to you again in the next episode. <laughs>